think um, a lot of stuff happens in this world that we need. We feel like we need explanations for because otherwise it feels really hard yeah. and difficult. And life throws us many curveballs and lots of tough stuff. And so to have something to kind of manage that and navigate that, I think is really important. Mm. Hi everyone, I'm Hetty Holmes, and you're listening to Hacking Happiness with Dose, a podcast that explores what makes us feel good to improve our mental, spiritual, physical, and emotional well-being. Whether it's a dopamine hit from reaching a career goal, a rush of oxytocin from spending time with loved ones, a surge of serotonin from practicing self-care, or a fitness class to send endorphins soaring, everyone's definition of what makes us feel good is very different. My next guest, Tally Rye, author of Train Happy, a book about intuitive exercise, is here to tell me about hers. Hey Tally, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. And it seems like you're everywhere at the moment. Obviously you're you know, quite prolific on Instagram, like you've built an amazing following, you're a personal trainer, you've got a podcast, mm-hmm. BBC Five. Tell me about how it all came to be. Yeah, so um, I feel... Like, you know how they say, like, overnight success is actually many years in the making. Yeah. And um, I've been personal training for five years. And prior to that, I was already kind of documenting my own fitness journey on social media. So I've been doing that for over seven years now. And so, um, yeah, it's really exciting that, firstly, I've gone on such a massive journey myself to lead me to the point of getting the opportunity to write a book. And then Train Happy is about intuitive movement and approaching exercise from a different way that that was a real journey that I had to go on as well so it's really um, exciting that I have different platforms and different opportunities to discuss you know these this message that I feel so passionately about and um, have all these different avenues so yes I'm on um, Instagram predominantly I do a podcast with two other girls um, called Fit and Fearless on BBC Five Live and we've been we're on our fourth or fifth series I can't keep up it's, yeah. it's been so great um and yeah and so this show we've had this book come out which has been um a real whirlwind so as we're recording it's been out for about a month mm-hmm. and um it's now released in America and um I've just been really uh blown away by the response because like I said I, I want to talk about fitness in a different way and the fact that people are so receptive to that is very exciting. Mm. And so this whole idea of intuitive exercise, it's about mm. listening to your body and not forcing yourself to do exercise if you're like not in the mood for it or just to conform to a certain aesthetic body type, right? Exactly. So my personal journey, and I think that many people will resonate with this, is that when I first started thinking about fitness, I was actually at drama school and I thought I was going to be a West End actress. And uh, I wanted to get fit to be the best performer I could be. And my understanding of fitness and health, and I wanted to be a healthy performer, was that that would require cutting out food, restricting food in some way. Um, whether me saying there are good foods and bad foods and, you know, only eating what I deemed healthy. Mm. And it would require intense gym workouts and, you know, no days off and um, following a specific type of training that I saw role modeled on social media. So uh, this was early days of Instagram and very much at the time it was a lot of um, a lot of weight training, which I still advocate weight training, but... Um, it was a very specific type of training, what we call like a bodybuilding style, where you kind of do upper body one day, lower body one day, arms another day, abs another day, and everything was so concentrated. Um, and I kind of got stuck in this rigid routine of what I thought health was, and it actually became quite disordered for me. And, you know, innocently 
wanting to get healthy. I just thought that meant I had to be losing weight. I had to be um, restricting food in some way. I had to be counting my calories because that's what healthy people did. Mm. I didn't understand that you couldn't, you could pursue health and you could focus on your well-being without restriction, without guilt around food, without over-exercising. Um, because I think largely, and I'd be interested in your opinion on this, I mm. think it's been really normalized that that's just what healthy people do. And I, like I speak to a lot of people who say, oh, I, I want to work out, but when I work out, I have to cut, I have to stop eating carbs or something like that. Mm. And um, they, it's like an all or nothing thing. Like you, could, you couldn't just move your body in a way that feels good mm. um, because it feels good for you. Yeah. Like it, it seems to have to involve like getting ready for a, holiday or yeah exactly. you know Some that post Christmas thing where yeah. it's like I have to, it has to be dieting and even if it's not a formal diet it has to have some sort of rules around it and so yeah. intuitive movement is really about empowering people to trust their bodies trust themselves to enjoy the exercise that they actually like mm-hmm. to do that and not feel obliged to go and uh, do like a super heavy weight session if that's not what they love yeah. um, there is nuance to that but on the kind of it's really about helping people and Train Happy, the book in its entirety, is really about helping people to enjoy exercise and mm. find out all the brilliant benefits of moving your body. Like yeah. you said, uh, the endorphins. Like yeah. find out about all those kind of stuff that um, are unrelated to that weight loss and aesthetics. Yeah. Um, and you know, sh- getting people to shift from making that the sole focus of mm. what they're doing to finding deeper reasons as to why they want to move and um, finding different ways and expanding their kind of, I say like their workout horizons mm. as to what they want to do. Yeah. Um, do you think people are kind of trapped in in the kind of the rat run of their lives and they just like, they look for these quick fixes all the time because fundamentally like they're lacking meaning. You know, we don't have a lot of like religion and spirituality mm. anymore. People are kind of finding that through their gym routines yeah. and then it gets quite obsessive, especially when, you know, Instagram ha- has its benefits. It's helped to grow your business beautifully but at the same time a lot of people compare themselves with other people on it there's this constant you know Mm. comparison going on making people feel like not so good about themselves so like that as well is something to navigate I think absolutely and I think for me initially starting out and like I said discovering this health and fitness whilst I was at drama school and even since after graduating becoming a personal trainer in those early days fitness was so much of my identity and who I was as a person you know Mm. I wanted to be known as quote the fit one and um Therefore, I gave myself pressure to look a certain way, to eat a certain way, to behave a certain way. And um, because I wanted to, I wanted to perform fitness for people. I wanted to Mm. perform health for people. And I was, it's because, you know, I was in a difficult position. So at drama school, I was in a very pressure position, surrounded by people with a ton of talent. Mm. And I just wanted to survive that experience and cope with that experience. And so I looked to fitness as an outlet and as a form of identity but for me it started to become disordered Mm. Um, and I'm really fortunate that I kind of realized that before it became too much but I do see that like you said um, I'm really interested in the connection between um, yeah kind of turning away from more um, religion and spirituality and, and how we're shifting our identity and our energies into things like fitness and that becoming a big part of who we are and I think uh, particularly in wellness, I think um, I've heard a strong case for wellness being um, kind of a replacement for religion to people. Like it's, mm. you want to believe that 
you know, we can, everything is within our power in the sense of like what we eat gives us meaning and how we move our body gives us meaning. And if we get that right, Mm. then we might, you know, live well for a really long time. And the reality of that is that um, it's so much more, there's so many more shades of grey involved in that conversation. It's not black and white. For me, it's the ego gets in the way, right? Because when you talk about spirituality, religion, there's there's this recognition that there's this higher, Mm. bigger power than us, like we are not God. Mm. But then when people kind of go so into their own lives on, you know, these social media feeds, whatever, they kind of get obsessed with their own routines and like, and it's almost like they, they stop believing in anything else but themselves and that's when the ego kind of takes over and it's just like and I think and I don't blame anyone for that because I think that's the the thing of diet culture and the thing of wellness culture is it's it wants to keep us focused inward it wants to keep us focused on ourselves our bodies it wants to keep us um worried about those things Mm. because when we're worried about those things so if you think of um diet culture particularly um a lot of it is to try um the, the culture, the message is that it's a belief system to enforce us to try and reach a certain body standard, whether that like a certain body type, mm. a certain beauty standard. And when we kind of peel back the layers of where do those body standards come from? What, what are these beauty ideals we're trying to attain? A lot of that comes from patriarchy and it comes from that view of what women should be in particular. Mm. And so I think for me personally, there was a lot, there was, you know, for the last kind of four, you know, until about three years ago, two, three years ago, when I kind of had this moment of, hang on a second, I can't continue just constantly looking inwards all the time. Um, I was so focused on what was I going to eat next? What was my next workout? Um, You know, I really was oblivious to the world around me. Mm. And I was distracted. And I, I see that investment in that, you know, deep investment in kind of diet culture and wellness culture to extent of of distraction I think I think particularly women um you know we want we're kind of like really getting involved in you know whatever the latest food wellness trend is and yet like we're still fighting for equality and with this like I mean the, the political climate in the UK and globally like needs our attention mm. and um it's kind of freeing when you're able to remove yourself from that distraction and think hang on a second firstly who am I outside of this and Mm. wow I have so much to offer Mm. the world and um secondly you know um wow there are real there are really huge important issues that I need to pay attention to Mm. and um it's yeah it's been a real journey for me and I like I say this with no judgment for anyone wherever they're at because I've been there and you know it takes time to kind of um you know not be so focused and worried about yourself in a way um so yeah it's been it's been really interesting and yeah I do I do want and I hope that my book just kind of contributes to that um liberation of women I just want people to feel like oh okay like I want to move my body and support my body, but this doesn't have to be my whole life, but it can yeah. support my life. Yeah. And actually I've got a greater purpose, the other things I need to do. And this really supports me and, and mm. helps me be, um, you know, the best person I can be to 
to actually focus on the important stuff. Yeah, because ultimately you're about making people feel good, right? Yes. I mean, you must have so much satisfaction seeing your clients because obviously you're a personal trainer. Mm. That is your day-to-day job. Like, And when you see them kind of meet their targets and like, well, not, not that your results focus, but you must mm. get like, you know, a lot of joy from seeing them achieve certain goals. and. Oh, absolutely. And so, to, yeah, so I, I am results focused in the sense of I'm relaxed, mm. but I also do the way I train my clients um, I do like to notice that they're progressing in their strength and stamina and we focus on that and I don't weigh them or take pictures of them or measure them in any sense the only thing I'm measuring is you know over time are we getting stronger you know are we able to do more press-ups are we able to um, you know do uh, lift heavier deadlift that kind of thing Mm. and so that's what I'm really interested in Um, I'm not militant about it I like to um, like, for example, I had a client who was this morning who was really poorly last week with flu. Mm. So I knew today was not going to be a day of like, right, we're going to go really hard and I'm going to really push you. It's like, OK, I, I have to work with your body today and I have to let you guide me into like how much you're able to give today. And I mm. think, um, yeah, it's it's really about... Um, yeah, celebrating those wins and listening to your body and going with its fluctuations and, you know, whether you've had lack of sleep or you've been poorly or mm. whatever's going on in your life because that's going to impact whatever you're doing. Yeah. And, you know, it's me as a trainer supporting that, but also, you know, empowering each client I have, but also each person um, to understand what their body's trying to tell them and not constantly push through. So I think you spoke about getting results Mm. and I think in fitness results is so code for um you know we say what's the best workout for what what gets the best results yeah and naturally we just associate that with like yeah what's going to get us a bigger bum or um more defined abs or what's going to make us drop a dress size Mm. because that's what we're marketed that's what fitness has been telling us that fitness is all about for a long time yeah so that's what we associate with results with but I hope we change the narrative and we start associating results with how you feel how you feel yeah and um yeah that's one thing I I ask people to do in the book as well it's not you know and we say how can you track results if you're not if you're not stepping on the scales every week what are you doing to track results Mm. and actually um if you want to track results because I don't think you have to but if you want to it is about you know a tracking your actual workouts and noticing progress Mm. and uh b keeping a mood diary, saying, how do I feel before and after I train? Mm-hmm. How have I felt over the last month that I've started doing swimming, for example? Yeah. How has that improved my mood and my mental health? And thinking about it in a holistic sense rather than this purely physical sense. Mm. You mentioned on one of your videos on, I think it was on YouTube, about how swimming is something you've discovered recently and yes. you love it how because you, you don't have access to your phone. Mm. Is that a big thing for you, like disconnecting? Because you must get a lot of like notifications all the time. Like, How do you set boundaries? Oh, boundaries has been a big life lesson for me. Yeah. Um, massive life lesson for me. And particularly when part of my job social media. Mm. So, um, yeah, swimming has been fantastic because I think it's really mindful. Um, because no one can talk to me. I don't have to talk to anyone else. Mm. I don't have to look at my phone. You know, I'm just in the pool with my goggles on and my very unsexy swimming hat. <laughs> and... Um, I've been gradually getting better in it and it's been so good for me to have that time to just focus on myself. And it's all about breath and breathing as well. Mm. Uh, That's been a real lesson for me. And um, that's been really important in how I've kind of connected with my body. Um, And that's been a real lesson because I haven't done something 
for a long time where I've been such a kind of beginner. Yeah. Um, and I had some lessons before Christmas and I'm, I'm keeping that going and I, mm. I really love it and that's been really good to switch off. But in terms of other boundaries, I have to say um, with work and everything, I've, like I've said, I don't want, I don't want fitness to be the center of my life. I want it to support other aspects of my life. And therefore I need to make sure I'm making time for those you know, my personal life and not mm. just my work life. Um, being self-employed, I could work all hours of the day, every day of the week if I wanted to. I don't want to. Mm. I want to um, be strict with my work hours. I try not to work weekends. Mm. I try to um, switch off after about six, seven o'clock, but I'm quite intuitive with my work hours as well, I suppose, mm. in the sense of, you know, if I'm in the zone, I'll, I'll keep going. And if I'm not, then I can kind of say, do you know what? It's four o'clock. I've had yeah. enough. That's the beauty of working for yourself, isn't it? it like is. you can ride that creative energy when you yes. need to, but then also when you just really can't face looking at your laptop, you can turn it off. Yeah, which is great. And but you also work from home. Like, how do you manage boundaries there? Like when you know, because probably you have a flat in, mm. in central London. Like, how do you make an ad- adaptable space? Like, how do you make it into a workspace and then also a living space as well? Well, I'll be honest. In theory, I have a desk. Yeah. Um, in my spare room, it's always covered in stuff of things because I we've just well I say we've just moved we haven't just moved now it's been about five months Mm. but um there's still things that kind of need to be sorted and I and I uh, a couple of days a week I have an assistant come and work with me and I work on my kitchen table well my dining table Mm. um it's also near the plugs and things so it's just practical um and yeah I'm quite good at kind of putting that stuff away at the end of the day and putting it aside Mm. um and relaxing but I'm not super strict with myself in terms of, right, these are the hours and you have to sit here for X amount of time. Um, Sometimes I'm not on my own. I will sit on my sofa and work. I'm not going to pretend I'm Mm. super formal all the time at home. I'm not. And that's the beauty of working at home, as anyone who gets the opportunity to work at home knows. Um, You can wear comfy clothes and, um, you know, sit on your sofa if you want to. But ultimately, I kind of tell myself, if I can get everything done, then Mm. you're doing fine. And I think... Um, yeah, having not had that structure in like a big formal company, but seeing, just speaking to clients who are in more, um, who have more flexible work hours where the kind of culture is, Mm. you know, you can get your work done kind of within this relative window, but there's flexibility within that. Then that's how kind of I operate as well. Um, And I, yeah, try to keep um, that structure. So I tend to start at a certain time, finish at a certain time, but kind mm. of win in that, kind of go with the ebb and flows of yeah. how I'm feeling. And we talked about this earlier about coffee. You're not a big coffee drinker. No. So like, how do you get fired up in the mornings or do you have this natural energy when you wake up? Well, I eat breakfast mm-hmm. and I have a big glass of water and um, that's pretty much it. I've So my friend does a podcast called The Power Hour. I don't know yeah. if you're aware of it, Adrienne. Yeah. And she had me on that um, last year and she's like, what's your morning routine? I was like, I do not have a morning routine. Yeah. I am... I love to sleep if I can. Having done years of early starts, when I get the opportunity to sleep mm. and like get up at a reasonable time, I want to get up at a reasonable time. Um, there's, I don't have any big secret. And sometimes I think, oh, I, sh-, you know, it seems to be in this space that everyone's kind of has a Romantic ritual fix. and a yeah. routine, and I just don't. I just kind of, um, I think I just trust myself that I'm gonna get it, whatever I need to get done. Yeah. And I do love a list. I do love writing down everything that I'm thinking, um, and then I methodically work through that. Mm. Um, but there's, like I said, there's no real massive time structure to that. It's just how I feel is best um mm. and that works for me because that's the kind of person I am I'm 
Um, I don't like too much rigidity. And I think that's why I'm drawn to um, becoming more intuitive with um, all aspects of my life. Mm. And so, um, yeah, I'd say I apply that to my work as well. Okay. So we've talked about the happiness you get from your career. Let's talk about relationships. Mm. So are you, do you have like a group of girls that you train with? Are you a big believer in you know, training with others or do you prefer to train by yourself? So I don't train with other people generally. I teach classes. Yeah. So I teach spin classes as well. And just having the same faces in there is always really fun. Mm. Um, I love going to classes when I get the opportunity to. So um, once a week I try and go to a class. I'm currently really enjoying reformer pilates and hoping that i am able to kind of keep doing that consistently because it's really lovely but obviously i'm swimming by myself mm. at the gym i go to i tend to go and do my own thing because for for a long time fitness had been that kind of switch off time for me and that that time to myself um and when i'm with my friends um so i will i will meet friends for a class and a brunch occasionally mm. but it's not it's not a super regular thing but when I'm with my friends, um, I really like to just be, re- you know, really present with them, and um, whether that's over food or, you know, just spending time together. Mm. Do you try not to talk about work with them, or do they naturally? Well, find- it naturally ends up kind of talking about work because we all, a lot of my close friends, we're all in a similar sphere of work, so we probably do end up talking about that a bit. Um, but we try and talk about other things too, and. I think that's really good to switch off, as you were saying, with boundaries and things mm. like that, to, to talk about other things, and mm. um, that's really important as well. Yeah. How important is female friendship to you? Like, Have you always had a core group of girls from yes, when you were younger? Yes, I'm definitely a girl's girl, yeah. and have always had um, female friendships. Um, and yeah, I've, you know, I've been fortunate over the kind of the past, you know, through my 20s, really, because I'm approaching 30 this year, and through my 20s have just really solidified some really great strong friendships I don't have you know you can count millions them on of one close hand. friends but I yeah I can count yeah. well yeah kind of on one hand of people who are super close to me and I'd say probably the closest person to be is my sister oh, that's um, nice. and that's really interesting that it's only happened as we've got both into our 20s and she's on her 30s but um, is that because there was a bigger age gap when you were younger so you weren't as close well we're two and a half years apart okay so, that's um, so it's not too yeah much but um we're just very we're just kind of interested in very different things yeah and yet I have the utmost respect for her and when I want to have a really deep conversation or you know talk about something political or something I just know that she's a great to have a conversation with and I could always pick up the phone and call her um and so I'm I feel really lucky that we've kind of formed that dynamic of our of our kind of relationship as we've got older Mm. um because we weren't that close as teenagers or anything like that so it's definitely something that's happened in later life um so that's really really nice and then I have yeah I have a a core group of girls who we whatsapp pretty much daily yeah um and are these girls you you've had from school or are they ones you've met in the industry a mix a mix I am really good at matchmaking friends so I seem to have like managed to collectively introduce lots of people to different people who I think they'd be friends with so I've got friends from drama school um friends from kind of fitness and who I kind of picked up along the way but it's harder when you're self-employed I have to say that you don't have that those natural work friends it's nice to have that dynamic um and it's not like you can have a little chat when you go for a coffee it's like yeah so when you do have that when you do have the opportunity to kind of vent with a friend who does a similar thing to you it's so nice yeah (laughs) it's so nice I mean, working in fitness and also from your drama background, it must have been quite cliquey and bitchy at times. Like, how did you navigate that? Or were you quite lucky with the U groups that you got? 
So I wasn't, I haven't experienced super bitchy things since I went to drama school, but at kind of secondary school, I definitely experienced that. And yeah. I, um, I'm not really friends with anyone. I haven't really maintained my friendships from that time in my life because I'm a completely different person. Mm. I really wanted to fit in and be liked and be popular. And I very much sacrificed a lot of who I was and my values as a person to do that. And um, I realized that I was also doing that for people who didn't necessarily care that much about me. I think mm. um, it was very kind of hierarchical and everyone was kind of, I don't know if it was a similar situation for you, but I went to a mixed school as well. And it was kind of, everyone was like, oh, you know, who is the more popular person in the room? Mm. I want to go and spend time with them. And then, oh, yeah. and so you kind of thought you had these real friendships and then they kind of they were flaky. didn't work yeah. out. Yeah. And I think also just, I kind of started realizing that when I, because I came to musical theater like later in my teens and a lot of people do it for like their whole lives. Mm. And so like, as I got to doing A-levels, I was really in- interested in doing that and I wanted to go to drama school. And so my friendships very much changed into kind of who I was doing drama with and that, mm. that point. So where I could definitely much more be myself. Um, so I really noticed that, yeah, having been in that kind of very bitchy, very kind of popular, popularity focused, environment which I kind of survived throughout my teens Mm. um, and definitely did things I was not proud of said things I wasn't proud of um, treated other people in a way that I'm definitely not proud of now Mm. all for the sake of just trying to fit in Mm. Um, I really kind of learned and grown from that and I think I went to I went and did my kind of three years of training I did five years total at drama school I did three years of training and I started that course when I was 21 I turned 21 in my first term and I think just being that little bit older, mm. I was just in the right headspace to, and even then, I mean, super young and relatively immature to where I'm at now, but in a much better environment to kind of enjoy it, make strong friendships and um, integrate myself better and also not compromise who I am. I really learned who, I'd had a much greater sense of who I was and what I was interested in and didn't want to, you know, compromise what I believed and what I thought was right and true for the sake of mm. making other people happy. And that's something I've definitely strengthened as I've, yeah, as I say, like Obviously. turning 30 this year. Yeah. And even the, even more so in the last couple of years, I think if you ask a lot of my close friends around me, they'll say, I've really kind of um, cemented who I am as a person and really mm. kind of got to know that. Um, and that's been really important. Mm. And more personal friendships and relationships. So you mentioned you, you bought a house, is that right? Or you well, just moved house? my boyfriend, um, I would say I'm actually his tenant. Oh. <laughs> but um, yeah, we, we moved together. Um, I mean, we've been living together for about four years, yeah. I think. Um, and yeah, so I should also add that he is actually my best friend. Mm. Um, and I'm really fortunate. Um, How did you guys meet? On Tinder. Oh, okay. Yeah, You're going to be a Tinder wedding. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. um, so we I met him at the end of drama school and so he's kind of gone on this wild ride with me the mm. last five years and it's been great. Um, he must be very proud of you. Yeah, and I think it's been really lovely that we've both really grown together in terms of both moving to London and then um, he works in the city and has a kind of really normal job. Mm. Um, so it's really nice to have that stability and have someone out of this um, kind of fitness world, yeah. that is, that's really grounding as well. Um, and so, yeah, he's um, very supportive and I think he's really proud and I'm really proud of him. So mm. um, yeah, it's really, I, I, I'm really fortunate that we, like I said, we've grown together and I think that's been really important. Yeah, how does he find your relationship with Instagram? Is he okay with it? Like, cause you're obviously having to be on your phone quite a lot. 
Yeah, I won't lie. It can definitely be a bone of contention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I have to, yeah, I have to be really mindful and that I'm not, um, you know, always on my phone. And, you know, sometimes because everything's happening on my phone, whether that be messages, comments on social media or whether it's emails or whatever, or I am I create my content through my phone. So mm. I'm, my, my screen time is ridiculous because it's so part of my job. Yeah. Um, and I have to be really mindful that, okay, I'm putting away, I'm being present and focused. Mm. Um, and that's been a definite learning curve um, for me. Um, and I have to be really mindful of it. And I definitely don't get it right all the time. Mm. Um, and I have to be really aware of when's the right time when's the wrong time and um yeah just being you know that and that's partly why when it comes to social media and we're talking about boundaries I don't tend to post much content on the weekends Mm. in terms of like actually creating anything or posting anything because I really want you know providing I'm with my boyfriend that's our time and um I'm trying to you know, if I'm posting stuff, I'm generally doing it in work hours mm. and I'm creating it within work hours. Um, and I wouldn't unnecessarily commit myself to being on my phone if I don't have to. Yeah. And what about the, the tribe that you've built through your community? Mm. Like, do you get a lot of, like, satisfaction from seeing them as well? You must get a lot of people commenting all the time and feeling like they know you probably as, as their friend. Yeah, I've, it's been really lovely. Because like I said, I've been sharing online for seven years now. So mm. people have really gone on this journey with me. And it's really lovely having a book come out and then people saying, I've been following you forever. And mm. it's how far you've come just in your mindset. Like it's, um, I, it's, it's lovely to know that they're really supportive and, and cheering you on. And I have to say, the community I have have really spurred me on and given me the confidence and self-belief to kind of say, okay, actually, I can write a book and I've got something to say. Mm. Going back to our previous point a while back when we were talking about distractions and, you know, diet culture in particular for me being a massive distraction and, um, you know, it, it stopped me from fulfilling my potential. If you asked me three or four years ago in the depth of, um, you know, my very weight aesthetic focused self whether I would be able to write a book I would have Mm. said no Mm. um I didn't think I had anything unique to say and I didn't believe I could actually write it um especially having been to drama school and that being a very practical um form of training and so the having the kind of growth and like I said that kind of wake up call myself to start writing more and sharing more just through Instagram captions alone and having the response and the support of that community and the feedback um of you know oh this is different and I this this is really um I'm relating to this a lot differently than I do to a lot of other fitness content Mm. that really gave me a lot of confidence that I could do it um and so I got asked roughly about a year ago now whether I would do it and I kind of was like hmm I think I can and actually I had a ton to say and you know a lot of that a lot of what I wrote about was inspired through interactions I'd had through direct messages through Mm. comments um even as I was writing I put polls up on Instagram and things just to get inspiration and people's input so Mm. if people have followed me all throughout last year they don't realize that they they are probably very much included in that process of writing that book and inspiring what I wanted to say um and so I feel really fortunate to have that and I do think we're a bunch of like-minded people and we yeah I think um I really respect 
my community and I am really fortunate that they support and respect me and it's a mu- mutual, mutual for sure. Yeah, that's cool. Trying something new can change how you feel about yourself. Now you can get that feeling with ClassPass, the app that connects you to the best fitness experiences wherever you are. Keep your body flexing and your mind feeling good at home with unlimited access to thousands of free video and audio workouts with some of the world's best trainers. To get them, just create a free ClassPass account now. So talking about self-care, mm-hmm. so do you have any kind of like rituals? Like you, you said obviously you don't have like a morning routine mm. as such, but do you, how, do you suffer from anxiety occasionally, stress, any insomnia, and how do you combat those things? So I certainly have noticed, um, you know, in the last year or so that I have been getting more stressed and, you know, how can I deal with that? Um, Firstly, I started doing therapy last year. So Mm -hmm. from September, I've been doing therapy and it's a non-negotiable for me. Every week I go and um, I never um, cancel. And to be honest, I don't think my therapist would let me cancel. Mm -hmm. Um, And that has that to me is like my f- number one fundamental self-care and it has been so brilliant um, in terms of having that outlet and that space just for me to air my feelings, to talk about, you know, past and present and um, I couldn't recommend it highly enough mm. and I try and talk about it as much as I can because I want people to know that it's a very normal thing. I personally didn't go there at crisis point. In fact, I was probably in a pretty good place when I went there. I would say I'm still in a pretty good place now um in terms of my mental health and just you know generally my overall well-being but I wanted to go there to know that in the future because I see this as an investment in self-care because in the future when you know life does get tough Mm. um that I have the tools and you know I have done the work to cope with those situations as they come Mm. and I think um yeah I mean I don't know if you feel this I I think we're in a in a time of like a very much like a hustle culture and a, mm. and we're getting a lot of burnout and a lot of people overworking themselves and I think for me self-care has been putting those boundaries of work time in place and making sure I keep keep things separate mm. and being really clear with that with myself because otherwise it can get very stressful and very overwhelming and it's a lot to worry about and a lot that the buck stops with me ultimately mm. on a lot of big things and um that can feel very overwhelming and so just making space to not feel overwhelmed and to know that I've got people to help me cope such as a therapist it's really important I don't think I've heard of that before someone putting a therapist in place but like not needing to go, to see yeah. them for a specific reason like it's in a way a bit like you know with fitness you do prehab like to mm. stop yourself from getting in the injury yeah. in the first place that's exactly how it's I see it thing. it's like yeah if it's like um Pre-hap you know, people say, like, you see personal trainer to help you work out. Yeah. Um, you could have a, I need someone to help me train my mind and yeah. to help me, you know, you know, there's stuff I want to talk about, um, you know, from my um, childhood and things. But really, like, I don't, I think, yeah, getting, we need to get past the idea that you have to be at absolute at rock point. bottom and yeah. absolute crisis to seek help and actually if we can actually get help earlier. And I mean, it's a massive privilege to be able to access that. And so I'm really fortunate um, that I am. everyone should have a therapist in that case? I think, yes. I, yeah. Yes. I'm such a therapy convert now and I've become a bit preachy about it. But yes, I do. I think, unfortunately, um, because of, um, you know, where we're at economically in the country, that's not possible, sadly. And, you know, that's another issue that we need to focus on. And 
I think mental health is one of the most important forms of healthcare, if not the most important form of healthcare, because it really lays the foundation of being able to even participate in fitness, for example. Mm. Um, you know, such de- people with depression, for example, are struggling to get out of bed. They're not yeah. worrying about if they're going to do squats or burpees today. They're worried about getting out of bed. And so mm. let's, we need to really, when I talk about ha- a holistic approach to fitness um, and a holistic approach to our overall well-being in general, mental health really needs to be at the top of the list. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, so that's been really fortunate. And we were talking about is you know using social media in a positive way yeah. and even just following like therapy accounts on social media yeah. and reading books and stuff i find it really interesting i'm at that point in my life where that's something i really am interested in and i yeah i really recommend it are there um, any accounts that you follow that you yes find there's um therapy for women that's a great account my friend um holistically grace mm-hmm. i think she's holistically dot grace but um She's actually based in America. Um, she's called uh, Maria. She's a therapist. And she came over and said, this is a great thing about social media, and said, um, I love your account. Can I can we meet for lunch? And I was oh. like, yes, let's meet for lunch. Because we had very, very similar values and yeah. with what we want to talk about. Um, and she's been so great. And just her post, every post she does is brilliant. Mm. I love it. Um, I've got a brilliant woman called Tiffany Rowe. She's called Hey, I think it's Hey, it's Tiffany Rowe. Hey, Tiffany Rowe. And it's Row R-O-E. And she has this mantra called Feel, Deal, Heal, mm-hmm. where it's all about how to manage your emotions and how to manage stu- tough stuff that comes up. And she said, rather than suppress it and um, forget about it, she says, feel, deal, heal. And that's something I've, re- I've really taken that on board mm. um, and really kind of, you know, have to, being um, British, we like to suppress and yeah. don't like to Step acknowledge our emotions, <laughs> and yeah, and I've had Good to really, I've had to really kind of learn how to like, you know, let myself feel sad or let myself feel angry, and it's been a real learning process. Yeah. Um, so actually, that for me, social media having completely transformed who I follow, mm. I've actually found real benefit in it and particularly from discovering this therapy world I love it yeah that's great I think because I mean you can you can use social media as a a form of self-harm or you can actually use it to your benefit right you can look at pictures of people that are living a life you want and they're making you feel shit about yourself but you can unfollow them and just follow accounts to make you feel good it's in it's within your power I saw this quote that I saw a couple of people share and it was all about like social media itself isn't inherently bad it's not social media the platform isn't toxic. It's how mm. you engage with the platform that's toxic. Yeah. And it's exactly what you said. Like, are you looking at it too in a super aspirational way of like, I need to look like that. I need to earn that money. I need to jet have that jet set lifestyle. I need to do all these things. And then it's making you feel crap about yourself. Mm. Or are you looking at it as a, um, a platform of like what you can gain, whether that's like following cute animal accounts or I love to follow... Um, things that are really informative when really learning stuff um you know I got so much of my information about the election from the simple politics account Mm. um that's a really incredible way that social media is being used to um you know uh get across knowledge um and talk about issues that are really important but because it's on there it doesn't feel so um inaccessible it makes it more accessible so I think that's I think there's Social media can be great if you're following the right things and you're, it's all about the intention. And, and using it mindfully, like you said. Yeah, using it mindfully. Yeah. Um, and yeah, to bring it back to intuitive fitness, it's the same thing. It's all about the intention. And as we said, self-care, like I also think exercise is a form of self-care. Yeah. But if you come at it with the mindset of, right, I'm earning and burning what I'm eating. I hate myself for, you know, ha- 
going out for dinner on Friday night and I had a takeaway or whatever and I need to burn it off the next day or um, then you're going to come at that from a self-hatred perspective yeah, and it's going to be a totally different experience. Yeah. Um, so it's the same with social media, like got to come out come at it from a self-care perspective yeah. um, and you know how is this going to benefit me rather than how can I beat myself up and make myself feel bad and I think mm. um, actually there's lots of parallels in those two things so aside from the therapy mm. and fitness are there any other practices that you put in place like any beauty regimens or acupuncture well like in my new flat we have a bath which we didn't have before oh, great, yeah. so I, I know it's a very cliche thing to do but um just having that time out on my own yeah. um, is really, really nice. Um, and I suppose making sure I'm sleeping is really, one of my massive forms of self-care is making sure I go to bed at the right time and do get you, up at a regular time. Do you track your sleep or do you find that a I bit too anxious making? So I don't track anything. Yeah. Um, I don't feel I need to and I don't think it's right for my personality. Um, but... I've got a boyfriend who's really good at going to bed. Mm. So at 10 o'clock, he's like, come on, right, it's bedtime. And so trying to get to sleep by half 10 and getting up, you know, similar time, half six, half seven every day, um, it's so good for, It's so good to have a sleep routine. And um, for January, I found that um, both my boyfriend and I got in such a routine um, and we were so great. And then he went away working last week. And mm. when he's not there, I don't sleep well at all. And it's completely knocked me. And it just goes to show how great an, uh, a sleep routine is and, um, you know, making sure that you're making sure, getting to bed, waking up at a similar time. And mm. Um, mm. that's really important for my self-care. And I would also say reading as yeah. well um, as a way to switch off. Mm. So like reading before bed and things like that is a really good way for me to switch off. And that's a, a kind of a self-care thing because like we said about feeling overwhelmed being a self-employed person. A lot of thoughts can be running through your head a lot yeah, of the time. Okay. And so just to kind of like turn that down and mm. focus on something else, um, I like to like not be on my phone and mm. look, at a, look at a page of a book. Yeah. It makes such a difference. Do you keep the phone out of the bedroom? or I don't keep the phone out of the bedroom, but I tend, I don't, like I have a rule of like not being on it in my bedroom. Mm. So I will use it for my alarm. But once I go and do my skincare, because I'm really bad at do that, before I go to bed. Once I go and do my skincare routine, which I do do every night, I suppose we could use that, that could count as yeah. well. It's a, that's a non-negotiable, just just a wash and a cleanse and a, and a moisturize. Um, but once I go and do that, because I always faff around, that takes me a while, um, I haven't looked at my phone, mm. like ideally at least for half an hour before bed, Yeah. Um, just to wind down. And what about your, your nutrition and diet and exercise? So similarly with my fitness, I am, I, practice intuitive eating which yeah. is actually um a framework created by two dietitians um because i like i said i had that really strict relationship with food for a long time so it's, it's been a lot for me to unlearn a lot of the rules i had and and kind of get to a place where i don't see food as good and bad but i just see it's really neutral and also kind of then implementing okay i know myself when i i've kind of taken out this kind of diet mentality out of how i'm eating so what feels good for me today? Mm. Um, and so I, yeah, I tr I trust myself to know what I need. Um, and in general, I just try to make sure I'm hydrated. I've had 
I, you know, fruit and veg every day. But you're not like vegan or plant-based. No, no. I eat everything. Yeah. I, I for me because I've because I've been restrictive in the past. I'm not in a position where I want to to cut anything. Does that out take you back to a time when your eating was disordered? If you try yeah. and put things in place, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it it could be a bit triggering for me. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, but I think um, I generally eat vegetarian. Yeah, that's what I like. But I have to know that I'm doing that for me and I'm not doing that because I think that's a better thing. Yeah. And um, I think there's a lot of crossover with, like, for example, um, being plant-based right now is obviously a really great thing for the environment. And I try and be plant-based when and where I can. But, um, f- like, I also have to know that that is not a new rule I'm putting in place. And also I'm not doing that because I think that is a kind of diet rule that I think could maybe change my body or whatever. I just have to um, be really mindful of the choices I'm making. Um, mm. And yeah, I suppose also going back to your point of self-care, I make sure I do um, I do HelloFresh every week, but I, or a other recipe boxes, I'm sure. <laughs> but it's just so I make sure I've got regular meals to cook each week. Yeah. So I know that I've um, got something in the cupboards because um, being self-employed I'm rubbish at doing my food shop yeah and I've only got a little um smaller uh, supermarkets nearby so things like that just making sure that I've got um things in place and yeah I I enjoy a bit of everything and um yeah I I want to have that freedom and what's been really lovely is since I've kind of come through this intuitive relationship with food as well I don't think about it half as much as which is why I forget to do my food shop mm. but um it's given me so. It's given me, you know, I know how to fuel myself and enjoy what I'm eating and find satisfaction in it. Um, like you said, without that guilt aspect, mm. and that's so freeing. Yeah. So at Dose, we often look to the states for kind of trends, like see what's coming over from LA and New York, and obviously all the fitness crazes have, have followed suit. You know, we've got yeah. like pretty much a studio on every street corner now, like yep. there was in New York. But now we're seeing that it's going a little bit more like woo woo, shall we say? You mm. know, there's a lot more kind of energy healing. Like people are really into their astrology. Like yes. my you... friends are very astrology are they? Yeah. into it, and they were trying to get me into it at the weekend, mm. and none of it matched up to me. They yeah. got me on all the apps and everything, and I was like, "This isn't." They were like, "Oh, this isn't you at all. This is not your personality." Yeah. Um, but so again, like, what do you think's driving that? Is it because we're lacking this kind of like bigger purpose and meaning? I absolutely think so. Yeah. I think I think everyone has a system of beliefs they need to cope with mm. the world, and that's whether that's whether they're, you know, agnostic or whether they're atheist or whatever. If they don't want to believe in anything, I think mm. we all have to have our way of coping and dealing with the world I grew up in a very Christian home and I that having I'm not practicing now but I see that as a massive coping tool for many people in my family Mm. and I really respect that I really I I totally understand why we want to have those kind of higher answers and we want to have that it's very comforting mm. and I think um, a lot of stuff happens in this world that we need, we feel like we need explanations for because otherwise it feels really hard yeah. and difficult and life throws us many curveballs and lots of tough stuff and so to have something to kind of manage that and navigate that I think is really important. Mm. Um, I think for me the thing I'm concerned with or my, my one worry is that um, Sometimes we kind of can, re- it can get to a bit 
of pseudoscience-y kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so we just have to be... Responsible. We just have to use our own discernment and just say, like, okay... Like the Goop documentary that's just come out, have you watched it? I haven't. I'm not a Goop fan. Um, for the reason of, I think there's, like, massive extremes on there. And mm. whilst, you know, a part of it may be good, I think a part of it is very misleading. And so I think, um, yeah, we have to just be mindful of, like, who we're getting our information from, what uh, what are the kind of the evidence for it. And, um, yeah, so I think, yeah, whilst I'm... So I'm really mindful of those, that kind of, that part of wellness, but I also totally respect people. Like my friend always said, she said the funniest thing, she's, I think it's on TikTok. It's like, um, so people making fun of me for um, believing in astrology and the moon, but at least the moon doesn't oppress the gays and the women. So mm-hmm. I'm going to believe in the stars and <laughs> deal with it. And do you know what? so right so like it's not oppressing anyone no exactly and it's been there a lot longer than we have so (laughs) so I'm really respectful I think if uh if that's like you said you know I would never say to my friends don't do that yeah it's it's just not something I personally feel a need for no and all these things come back around right so we've had like this fitness craze and now it's going a little bit more the Mm. other way I guess what happened in like 70s 80s it's just all gonna keep going round and round in circles right yeah and what's been really interesting at the moment as well another big craze there's been a huge book come out in America called um, Anti-Diet by a woman called Christy Harrison. She's a dietitian slash journalist and she's written this book all about, um, and it's very linked to what my book's about, but Mm. I'm coming at it from a very fitness perspective and she's gone in a much deeper level, um, very in-depth kind of journalistic um, view of diet culture and wellness culture and all this kind of stuff. And it's fascinating. Um, And I do think there's, uh, like I said, I, I do see a movement and a kind of, I hope it's not, I don't think it's a trend, but I do see a movement of people kind of saying like, I've had enough of being at war with myself. I've had enough mm. of like fighting my body to be smaller and trying every diet and it's still not sticking or, you know, gaining the same weight over and over and losing the same weight over and over again. And I've just had enough. And um, that, book and the kind of movement it represents I think is um yeah it's, it's going to see a shift in in fitness and wellness and the other trend I see and I hope it's once again not a trend but the other shift I see is that um having more inclusive discussions and making fitness and, and wellness more inclusive and diverse mm. and I think that is something that is happening um yeah, like even the big brands, you know, like Nike yeah. are having bigger mannequins well, now. Yeah, plus size ranges. And as well as, and, and like they've just come out, Nike just came out with a, so it's Nike, keep getting it wrong, oh. it's Nike. <laughs> and they just came out with a modest range. So for yeah. um, Muslim women who want to dress modestly and all this stuff, like we need to involve everyone in the conversation. And mm. it's something I'm really passionate about and deliberately chose a range of, um, models to demonstrate the workouts in my book. Yeah, I saw. Yeah. Because for that reason of, I want everyone to feel seen and represented in this because I think um, living in our London bubble, fitness and wellness has been quite a quite a um, privileged thing to be a part of. And, you know, a lot of us, me, myself included, I'm thin, I'm white, and um, I have the financial security to be a part of this. And it's like, okay, well, that's a, that's one part of the population, but what about everyone else? Mm. We need to think about everyone else. We need to reach people who, you know, aren't in that London bubble. Like, let's get out 
um, and how can we connect with those people. So I think I really hope that that's um, becoming more prevalent and more awareness. It's something I'm certainly more really passionate about. I recently did some work with like This Girl Can, which I think is a really awesome initiative about getting people of all ages, sizes, backgrounds, mm. ethnicities to get involved um, and find what's in their local community and build community around fitness. I think it's a great opportunity to, to connect people. So I see that as something that is going to shift going forward as well. Yeah. So at the beginning of the podcast, I talked about um, tapping into the body's like natural mm. happy hormones to kind of like get you feeling euphoric. Like, obviously, you don't like train to those extremes, mm. but like, how do you get your endorphins pumping? Like, oh, I still finish, for example, like finishing a spin class or finishing anything. I still feel great. Yeah. I still um, can get a bit of a high from it, and I love it. And you know, I'm. Sometimes I'm training gently, sometimes I am pushing myself and mm. getting really sweaty and, you know, wanting to get my heart rate up. And yeah, it feels really great. And it feels so great because I'm working with my body and mm. I'm doing what it needs in that day. So rather than, you know, pushing myself through a run that I don't want to do, I'm kind of saying, okay, you know, I've got lower energy today. I'd really benefit from doing something like a gentle Pilates class, but I still leave that class feeling great because. I was I worked within my parameters that day, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I I trusted myself that day, and I feel and it feels really good, and it feels like such a self investment. Whenever I'm teaching a class, I'm always saying like, "This is your this is your time. Your like this is self care time. This is um, you know you we have such busy lives that actually when you get to just you know connect with your body in that way, it's really important and mm. powerful. And I think. Um, yeah, we need to encourage more of that connection. And I think we've had a bit of disconnection with that kind of constantly, like, just keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing, you know, do two more, do this, um, don't stop, that kind of mentality from that kind of fitness trainer as well, mm. that letting people kind of work with their body and do what they need is is really important. Yeah, and is music a big part of your uh, workout? Well, yes. So when mm. I teach my spin play, my spin class, this I'm very... Dig Me, right? Yeah, I teach yeah. at Dig Me Fitness. And I'm very, um, I very much curate my playlist. And that's very important to me. And then I never used to work out with music. And then I got um, AirPods for Christmas, which I oh. also thought were overrated. But I got given them for Christmas. And I totally get the hype. And I totally get what they're about. And it's just transformed how I feel about um, the gym. Mm. Because you really block everyone out. And you very much zone in on you. And you very much are you get yeah you kind of cut out all that noise and what else is going on and you get to kind of just focus on yourself for you know however long you want to be there and yeah yeah, that's been really fun actually and I you know having been to drama school and done lots of dance training and you know previous life yeah it's a passion of yours everything moves to the beat everything I do I want to move to the beat so if there's a beat I love it yeah have you got any tunes that really get you going that you put on before a workout Oh, I really love Dua Lipa's song, um, Don't Start Now. Yeah. I love, that's a newer one, but I love it. Um, it's like being really getting me going, like, mm. these last couple of months. And what about, like, live music and gigs? Do you tend to go out to those kind of things, or festivals, or raves, or? Well, I'm definitely not a raver. I'm, no. I'm a theatre girl. Right, I love my musicals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you I seen them all? Um, not all, but I've seen a fair few. You've seen um, Dolly Parton's 9 to 5? I have. I saw it a long time ago, actually, when I was at drama school. Okay. You see it on tour. It's really fun. Yeah. Really, I really just fun. saw it with David Hasselhoff, and it's quite funny. <gasps> have you seen Hamilton? No. Now, I know. that is it's the bad. one you have to see. I know. Um, there's millions you, you could have to see, but if I could recommend anything, 
just it's just like no other show you're yeah. going to see. And I I really I come out of musicals and performances like that beaming. That is I'm so happy when I get to go see live theater. Yeah. Um Dear Evan Hansen is the other one. That okay. is brilliant emotional but brilliant amazing um so yeah i would love to say that i'm really cool and i'm blasting all the tunes but really i'm blasting musical theater songs when i'm at home that's very cool <laughs> in your own way that's yeah. very cool yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well tally thank you so much for joining me on the dose podcast it's been great i've yeah. loved this we've covered everything i know it's wicked well let's hear a little bit about your book so it's available on amazon is that right it's available on amazon and then it's in i said su- i should say all good bookstores um but like waterstones wh smith oliver bonus places like that brilliant awesome Great, thanks a lot. Thank you so much. If you have any questions about today's podcast, please drop us a line at hello at whateveryourdose.com.